What up, podcast people? See boy Banks back up in this bitch. Been a little while. Here I am. Try to do this, like I said, once a month, usually the end of the month. I'm a little behind right now. August was what it was. You know, end of summer, working, beach, golf, all that stuff. So, like, I didn't really get around to it. Um, and then I was going to record yesterday and I just... I wasn't feeling it, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, first, I just want to thank everybody that's listened. Um, I, there's been way more people listening than I expected. Um, I appreciate it. All of you. I know some people like what I say. Some people hate what I say. But regardless, honestly, if you're listening, I don't really care. And when I decided to do this, not everybody's going to like what I have to say. And that's fine. And that's why I'm open to your opinions. So your comments, your reviews, good or bad. If you want to take time out of your life to leave me a review, I appreciate it. Even if you think I'm trash. Because like I said, you're still listening. So that's fine. And not everybody's going to love me. I'm just out here trying to give my thoughts on certain things, my experiences, just something to pass time. And I enjoy doing it. And I think the majority of you enjoy listening to it. So I want to thank you guys who've left me good things or bad things. Keep them coming. Don't bother me. You know what I mean? I know who I am, so that's fine. So thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to me. Once again, I love you all. So just real quick, what I've been up to the last month or so, like I said, regular stuff. My son turned six months, though, which is crazy. So in theory, I have been somebody's dad for six months, and that's wild and probably really wild to some of you people (laughs) that hate me. But uh, he's good, man. He's sitting up, check up was good, he's growing, 94th percentile in height, but the doctor doesn't think he'll be tall, but I do, um, I got no basis for that though, I'm just kind of hoping, for some reason the target height in my head is like 6'1", I don't know why, I'm 5'11", and I just feel like that two extra inches just really seems that much taller, so uh, he's good though, he's babbling, talking, obviously he's loud like his dad, I'll be doing like a parenting thing with uh, my lovely wife, Probably in the next couple episodes, just talk about the pregnancy, birth, parenting, um, and kind of just our experience with it, which maybe is a different than everybody else who loves their kid and the experience right off the bat. <laughs> For us, it took a minute. Um, but anyways, that um, I did my fantasy draft this past weekend. Um I look, <laughs> so I forgot my laptop anyways at it, but I basically, I figured since all other athletes were protesting and stuff that like I should protest. So I protested the draft and just let the computer auto draft for me and basically took a knee the whole time. Um, I didn't really take a knee. I'm just kidding. But I did auto draft, not because of a protest, but because I'd been drinking and I wasn't really interested in it at that point. And I don't really think the season's going to finish. So to me, it's all a moot point. Because if they don't play 16 games, our league's not going to count, and it's going to go towards next year. So that's my main thing. I'm just not really that concerned with it right now. Um, I haven't been doing this a lot, but I will throw you some other things musically that I'm into at the moment. Um, I kind of stole this idea from my little cousin, Grace. She always gives what she's into. So I'm not going to do that particularly. Um, but music-wise, a couple of things that are just kind of banging right now that I think are worth it. There's a song called Good Morning. It's with... Um, Black Thought, Pusha T, and Killer Mike, and Swiss Beats did the beat. Fire. Um, The Entrepreneur song with Pharrell and Jay-Z. I didn't love it at first, but the vibe is just good. Um, It's some black excellence stuff. Uh, My wife really likes it a lot, too. 
Which initially I didn't, but then um, after listening to for a while, that Pharrell beat ends up just catching you per usual. So that one I'm feeling right now. Still obsessed with the Laugh Now, Cry Later video by Drake. Shit's funny to me. I mean, I'm obviously a Drake fanboy, so whatever that means. But the video's hysterical. And if you don't get how he makes fun of himself, then... I don't know. I can't really fuck with you anyways. And the last one, I'm still caught up in that WAP. That wet-ass pussy gets me every time. I mean, my wife hated the song at first because it was dirty. And then I explained to her that she, like, loves dirty songs. And after a couple days, she was like, oh, maybe I do like it. And then a couple days later, obsessed with it. So those are kind of just some of the songs I'm into right now. I might throw you that every now and again as I start these things off. Um, and then, so I had a topic that was burning. That was what I was going to talk about and thought it was good. And I still think it is. So I'm going to talk about it. But then the whole Jacob Blake sticks stuff started and I felt like obligated to have to talk about it again. And, you know, Black Lives Matter and cops and Blue Lives Matter and whatever. Um, I did one with my cousin. I don't know if you've listened to it before. Uh, I'll post a link again, just talking about being a black man in America right after the George Floyd killing. So basically, I kind of just started, uh, I felt like I had to just talk about just that, which I don't. So I'm not going to. Um, I'm going to say, well, just a couple of things. Obviously, personally, don't feel like you probably needed to be shot seven times in the back. A little excessive. You may disagree with that. Whatever. Um, I don't particularly care. Waiting for like most of the stats to come out. But the one thing about it that really just triggers me that I want to speak to real quick. I have a couple of friends of mine who, uh, I think they troll me specifically on the gram with their stories, and I try not to react, but occasionally I do. So when they first initially posted something about his sexual assault charge, it's like a third degree sexual assault charge, and a couple of domestic violence charges or whatever, that gets me, and this is all I'm going to say about this, you know, to either justify or bring up somebody's past convictions or charges after they've been shot in an instance that didn't have anything to do with those drives me mental, right? Especially in this case too, because they were just charges, which he may be convicted of. I don't know the guy. He might not even be a good guy. So I find myself ending up trying to defend people that I don't know, just to make the point that being charged with something, even if it is third degree sexual assault, also usually doesn't follow a death penalty. So you can't shoot people for that. Um, and if you know anything about the criminal justice system and the judicial system, you know that charges and convictions aren't always, you can't take them for face value. So to sit here and try to justify someone's character based off of convictions is one thing, which I still don't agree with, but charges is a whole nother crazy thing. So I was making the point to him too, that, you know, sometimes the judicial system, they will overcharge you to get you to plead to less. And this person said to me, like, oh, they can't do that because then they'd have to prove it. And I'm like, no, not if they know that you'll plead. The majority of cases don't go to court and they don't go to trial. So I used an example. When I was 16, I was arrested and I was charged with two counts of assault and battery with a deadly weapon, two counts of assault with a deadly weapon, and one count of disorderly persons. Now, that sounds insane, but mind you, it was a paintball gun. I was driving around the city being a knucklehead paintball in a bunch of places. But that's what they charged me with. So... Had I been shot by a cop sometime after that for quote-unquote resisting arrest or whatever I was doing, the media would then bring up those charges. And somebody might see those charges and be like, eh, not really a good dude anyways. So, like, I kind of take 
umbrage with that in general. And that's one of those things for me, my experiences. So I told them, you know, I go to get arraigned, they read off all the charges, and then I get my public defender who, you know, whatever, is overworked and, like, not paid enough money. And then they come out with me, and they say they're going to talk to the prosecutor, and they come back, and they're like, they'll drop the two accounts of assault with a deadly weapon, the two with assault and battery with a deadly weapon, if you plead to disorderly persons. You take a year of a quaff, which is a continued without a finding, and if you don't get in trouble that year of probation, it goes away. Which, by the way, it never goes away, right? You can get it sealed, but cops always see it when they pull it up. You know, so my point is, charges and convictions, again, aren't always what they seem to be. And they also just don't mean that you should be shot while something else is going on because of this in your past, right? And even if someone is a piece of shit, and let's say he had been, like, a rapist, which the, it first came out that it was looked like statutory rape because that's what third-degree assault, sexual assault in Wisconsin is. Um, it wasn't that. It was something between him and his ex-girlfriend, domestic abuse. And I actually read exactly, <laughs> I believe it was on Newsweek, he did finger her and smelled his finger and said that it smelled like she was cheating on him. So, now, is that okay? Absolutely not. Right, right? Like, that is sexual assault, right? By the record. Uh, or by the definition. But that doesn't also mean that he should be shot because he had done that in the past. Now, if he's shot because he was resisting, again, resisting arrest is also kind of a gray area to me. I've been charged with it, like, three times. And maybe only once was I actually resisting. The other times I wasn't doing anything wrong and was like, leave me alone. So that's resisting. And then, you know, I was actually pinned to the ground one time and wrestled by a bunch of them. So again, you know, I think my overall point that I'll say with this, and I might even speak to it again, is you have to understand, you can't look at everything through just your experiences. So it's like, I have different experiences with the police. Some good, of course, I've been let off, but some bad, not so much. So yeah, when I do see something like that happen, um, I do have a bit of a visceral reaction because I'm like, that could be me. And in this case, like, even if I was shot now, right, in a traffic stop or whatever, and they pulled up my record, yeah, I mean, I've been charged with, like, five or six misdemeanors. I mean, nothing bad or crazy, but, like, if you just listed them as six misdemeanors and he's been arrested six times, then somebody might be like, huh, maybe he deserves to be shot. Now, if you know me, I would think you don't agree with that. Some of you people do, based off of some of my reviews. That's fine. But, like, you know, still doesn't deserve to be shot. So I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. Um, I may get back into it about the Kyle Rittenberg and the kid and all of that stuff, but I wanted to stick to the topic that I wanted to talk about this anyways. But there was a couple other things just with all the crazy stuff last week that I wanted to speak on. That was one of them real quick. The other one, oh God, is athletes, right? They decide to boycott. The Bucks don't play. They feel away. Then like the other ones postpone their games and it kind of makes a trickle down effect and people want to stand for something and they don't think this is right, whether, again, you like Jacob Blake or not. This is how they feel. And you got to remember, like, especially a sport like basketball, yo, basketball is like 75% black. So, yeah, they're probably going to feel a different way than you as a white fan might feel, which is fine. But for you to sit here and tell them that they can't, you get paid a ton of money to play the sport, just play the sport. As Laura, Laura Ingram said to LeBron James, shut up and dribble. That is the most absurd thing to say. 
Like these guys have a platform. If they want to speak on it, fine. If you don't like it, turn it off. If eventually enough people turn it off, they will lose their job and they won't make millions. So like there is a way to not have to deal with them or listen to them. You have someone like Kaepernick four years ago. He's kneeling. It didn't work. He basically got blackballed. So it's not like they might not lose their job, but they're also willing to risk that. But they also make these owners a ton of money. So they have different leverage than you. So for you to sit here and tell me, well, I can't go into my job and stop protesting stuff. No, but if you wanted to give a press conference after you got off your shift and you thought somebody would listen to it, you could. And I guarantee you this, if you made enough money for your company, you wouldn't get fired for it, right? Like now, unless you said some crazy racist stuff or some like wild stuff. But if you just stood up for something that you believed in, you wouldn't get fired if you made your company enough money. And again, who's listening to you, right? So like, it's not apples to apples. Just remember this. When you think about how much an athlete makes, when you think about the stuff that they say, you're not a professional athlete. I hate to break it to you, but you're not, right? So they have some advantages and some platforms that you don't have. And if you would like those, go be a professional athlete, okay? If you're not, shut the fuck up, right? Like, just like, let them do it. If you don't want to watch, don't watch, right? Like that, that's it. Real quick on that. that. That's all I had to say. And this is going to be the last part to deal with this. I just got to speak on LeBron real quick. People hate LeBron James. Not even just like hate him as like he's on the other team. People hate this dude. Like he's a bad dude. Like I, and I don't get it. So I always play this quick little game. Let's take LeBron James's name out of it, right? And I'm just going to rattle off some stuff about this person. On the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine, it's 16 years old. All the pressure in the world. Anything could go wrong at that point. Okay? He has never been arrested. Never even had a run-in with the cops. At least that's been reported at all, which I think would be. He's married to his high school sweetheart. He's never had a mistress come out and say anything about him. Doesn't mean he doesn't bang other chicks, but no one's ever said anything, so we don't know. He doesn't have any kids from anybody else besides his wife, and I believe they have three, okay? He built a school in his hometown, right? Like, with his own money. So, if I told you that athlete, that's the perfect athlete. That's what you people want. But, because he has some views that you don't agree with, and because he speaks up when Trayvon Martin gets shot, when Jacob Blake gets shot, and you may not agree with that, which is fine. But, like, to hate this dude... Like, he's some piece of shit. He is one of the most stand-up athletes that, like, you'll know when you look at him off the court in family life if you just don't agree with his views. So people like that, man, I, I don't know. You just got to kind of look at yourself and what do you really hate that? You know what I'm saying? Like, because he, he just, he could have done so many things wrong with all the pressure that was on him, and he didn't. And not to mention, he's won some titles, and he's pretty damn good. But I don't want this thing to go that long. I've already done 15 minutes of like warming up and telling you what I've been up to, whatever. So there's just a couple of thoughts on that. And be sure to go ahead and tell me what you think. I don't really care. Respond, review, let me know, comment on my post. I'll comment back. We can have a good dialogue. I'm not a crazy person and I don't have all the answers. I like to ask some questions. I state my opinions. Like I said, like them or not. So anyways, the burning topic that we will finally get to 15 minutes in was welfare. Okay, so I had gotten into some conversations last month when, you know, we start talking politics and this and that. And welfare came up a couple times. People sucking the system dry, living off the system, you know, 
there was a thing that like Democrats always come out and vote for Democrats because they want to keep getting money from the government, all this stuff. Now, again, this is one of those things where I take a bit personally because I grew up on different forms of welfare and my mom didn't abuse the system. She used it for what it was. She got us in a better spot and come to find out, I just had this conversation. Literally, I paused this in the middle when my mom got here. So she was like, we weren't on welfare. And I was like, what? Like, I remember having food stamps, <laughs> like physically having them. And she was like, yeah, those were like the neighbors or whatever. <laughs> and then my mom did foster care. So we had them from that as well. Um, so I was like, oh, damn, like we weren't even on it like that. But we did have um, assisted living. Well, not assisted living, but um, assisted housing. So that was the form of welfare we were on, which I'm going to break these things down um, just real quick. I don't want this to be like a lecture or a lesson, but just like a couple of stats and like seeing where the money is. Because, you know, when I have this conversation, I then get interested, like what really is going on with welfare? What do I or don't I know? So like I started reading some stuff and I found it thoroughly intriguing. And like, I don't know if you guys all take the time to read about welfare. So here is just some of the information on what it is. And I'm a numbers guy. So I love breaking things down by the numbers. And this isn't like, hey, welfare is the greatest thing ever because there are flaws to it. And I have problems with people that quote unquote live on it for life. But you find out it's not as much as you think. Um, and I think there should be some reform and all of that. But Let's just like dive into some of these numbers to start, right? So the federal welfare program, it started back in 1935 during the Great Depression. FDR started it, right? So looking for stats, um, 2018 was kind of the newest stuff that I could find. Um, so 5.6% of the government spending in 2018 went towards welfare. So, I mean, it's a good amount, but it's not a lot. Um, poverty statistics, right? So in 2018, a family of four what was the shared income for that family to be considered poverty? You know, 25 grand, 25 Gs, yo, for four people. Think about that. That's not a lot of money, right? So that's the poverty line um, in 2018 was 25 grand. So I don't want to just jump into it, but the first thing everybody thinks of is welfare fraud. And again, because welfare gets this bad name and, 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 you know, if you've been on it or know anybody that's used it correctly, it's really not. But I did look up some fraud stats and basically it's almost 10%. One out of every 10 claims tends to be fraudulent, which is like a good amount, but not like a ton. Right. So, I mean, I don't know that it's out here just rampant. Like everybody's out here just lying, making money and like screwing over the system. And I'll give you the websites for all this stuff at the end because you know how much fake news is. So I looked up most of these websites. A lot of this stuff is coming right from the census off this website, but I'll give them to you at the end. So you can always look them kind of like footnotes. I don't know if you guys remember footnotes and anything like that. Um, so on average, 35% of unemployed Americans received some sort of benefits in 2018. And 21% of all Americans participated in at least one of them. I'm going to break them down. There's six welfare um, programs, as you would say, or categories. Not programs, is what you would say. Right? So that's kind of just an idea of how many people have been on it. But, you know, here's the other, here's the other thing. People think that people just collect welfare and don't work. Wrong. Right? So on average... 39% of women receiving some form of aid to families with dependent children were also employed. 40%. So it's the other thing. Like, you got to understand, without a 
livable wage. Some people are getting on these systems because they don't make enough money, right? Now, there's some that just collect, but again, it's really not a lot, number one. And number two, they're not getting a ton of money, right? Like, the goal of welfare is to get you to poverty, to get you to, to poverty, to 25 grand, if you're a family of four. So to sit here and think that, like, these people, quote-unquote, living off the system are living their best life is, like, wild. And I always say to people, welfare is so great. Stop working. Go ahead. Go live this great life. It's not. Now, you want to bring up people who are working under the table, who are selling drugs and still collecting. Cool. Fine. I'm sure that's a thing. But is it, like, the majority? No. Is it even 50%? No. I grew up in the projects. And I know some of them. And I know a lot of them that didn't. So, like, just understand that the majority of people are still working. 50% of all fast food workers rely on at least one of these programs. And you still have 7% of full-time workers participated in one of these. That's 7%. Again, not a huge number, but, like, there are people working full-time who still need some help. So don't just assume it's all of these deadbeats. So let me, let's just break down the welfare programs because I didn't know that there were multiple ones, right? Like I just thought there was welfare and that's what you got and what you applied for. So there is, um, there's six different ones and each one of them have kind of like a maximum income level on like, if you make this much, you cannot apply. And what I just found out 20 minutes ago, while I was talking to my mom is when she applied for actual food stamps and welfare, um, she made $32 too much. And they told my mom, work less. And my mom said, no. Right. So again, I didn't know that. I just found that out. But again, we were still in the project. So, um, we were still getting the assisted housing, which is one of them. Um, so there's six of them, like I said, for welfare, then there's also four entitlement programs. So the difference between welfare and entitlement means entitlement. You usually paid in through, um, through payroll taxes. You know, so for example, this even says, even the richest American, you can get Medicare coverage once you turn 65 if you want. And just to get the entitlement ones out of the way, it's Social Security, Medicare, unemployment insurance, and work, workers' comp. So those are all entitlement. You pay in through your taxes, and if you ever need one of those four, you are able to apply for it. Now, the next ones are all welfare. It's temporary assistance for needy families. Um, that's what you think of when you hear actual welfare. Um, and most of the people that receive that are children, right? So in 2019, it was 422,000 adults and nearly 1.6 million children. That's 2 million Americans that received it in 2019. So one and a half of them are kids of poor families. One and a half million. That's almost all of it. But anyways, so that sounds like a lot, but this goes back to 2017. Only 23% of the families with children living in poverty actually used that program. So only a quarter of them. So people that are making below 25 grand as a family, only 25% of those people are actually collecting, right? That's crazy. And the monthly income for people that were getting the benefits, and this is a family of three, $485 a month. Not a lot of money, man. I, I don't know who has families and who doesn't, but you know that's not a lot. Um, okay, the second program is Medicaid and Child's Health Insurance Program, um, which is called CHIP. So everybody knows Medicaid. In 2019, Medicaid 70, covered 70 million low-income adults and children. 70 million. Um, it pays for most of the U.S. births. 
Um, but, you know, that's kind of Medicaid in itself. I can give you some numbers on that, but that's just whatever. Um, here's the other one. Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program called SNAP. This is basically like food stamps. Although nowadays you guys have these little credit cards so they don't want to embarrass you. Back in the day, which I found out wasn't my food stamps, um, it was actually like fake, like monopoly money. So when you pull that out of the store, everybody knew <laughs> that you were on welfare. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, so that one is, and a couple of numbers on that, right? So in 2019, that helped more than 34 million people buy food. And on average, a person, individual, received $130 a month. $130 a month. You know, that breaks down to like $1.30 something a meal. A meal, right? So this is what I'm saying. Like, again, this vision that like, it's this great thing that you suck off the system. It just, it, it just doesn't pan out. And, I, and I'm going to reiterate this mad times. It doesn't mean people don't abuse it. But if people abuse every system in this country, you think rich people don't abuse systems? And taxes, and when they don't pay them, and using capital gains, you don't think that that's finding a way around the system? So, like, if a rich person uses a system to pay no taxes when he makes $10 million and he does it as capital gains, that's smart. But when a poor person uses a system to get above the poverty line, they're a piece of shit, right? Like, think about that. It, it, that just doesn't add up. The next one, supplemental security income. That's SSI. That is extra cash to help low-income adults and children who live with disabilities. November 2019, there was more than 8 million people who received about $568 a month. But of those 8 million, 6.9 were blind or disabled. So SSI. So I'm sure you don't think those people are a piece of shit, right? Of course not. Um, the next one, Earned Income Tax Credit, EITC. So this is a tax credit for low-income families. So this is like through taxes. So for a family of four in 2019, um, if couples are married and filing jointly, you got to learn, you got to earn less than 52, about 53 grand a year. About 22 million families got that in 2018. The average credit for a family was about $3,200. So those people are also paying taxes as well. So Again, these are working people combined making less than 53 grand a year, which means it could be two people, two people making 25. So again, they're above poverty, but a family of four making 50K. Again, I know some of y'all out there do that math. Not a lot of money. So they get a $3,200 credit. Are they a piece of shit? No. But you know what this did? That took 5.6 million people out of poverty. Three million of those were children. So again... The adults living off the system and abusing it or whatever, it's usually children that are at least being fed and kept housed and alive. And those kids can grow up to do whatever. Some of them may stay on the system. I know those people. They're like lifers. Their mom was, they were, whatever. But I also know kids that were not. So again, just trying to paint an overall picture to understand you can't just paint welfare with this broad brush. You know what I mean? Like It's just not that. And the more I dug into it, the more I understand. Again, this isn't some pro-welfare thing, right? Like, it's just kind of making you stop and think about what it really is and what are the systems that it's actually supporting. Um, okay, and then the last one, sorry. The last one is um, housing assistance. And it, this gives a bunch of numbers on what that includes. It, it's basically set up that you don't spend any more than 30% of your income on your rent. 
So some of the people in low-income housing, they're still paying rent, um, but obviously not what the regular rent might be. Um, I don't know if that just came through. My wife opened the fridge. Uh, so that and, that and that's the one that I kind of lived on. Um, so that was just a quick on that. I don't want to drive you guys crazy with just giving out all types of stats. I just want to say a couple things, right? So as far as the political part of it, right? And people say they vote Democrat. They vote Democrat because they want more money. They want more money, right? So this political scientist, her name's Suzanne Mettler, if you want to look her up. So her research showed that welfare and food stamp recipients are actually less likely to vote at all, right? Because they're struggling to make ends meet. They don't have time to think about political issues. Think about that, right? Like you think poor people are just running around locked into fucking Fox News and CNN? <laughs> Usually not, right? So most of them don't even really vote. And, right, the Tax Foundation and Gallup poll research that many of the states that rely mostly on federal benefits they're all Republican. They're red states in the South, man. This is, this is the thing, right? Like, I think people think of government like people who eat off the government of being in, like, the projects, black people, Spanish people. But remember, there's not a lot, especially black people, there's not a lot of us in the country. I joke every time. We're in, like, 10 cities, you know? It's with 13% of the country. So somebody else is using these benefits, right? And some of them, let's stereotype them, too. Might be living in a double-wide trailer or a single-wide somewhere. So, you know, it's just funny when you think people just vote Democratic to keep the funding, but the, the five biggest states that get the assistance are all red states, which, for the sake of argument while we're here, I do have them, right? So, the poverty rate that's the highest, Mississippi, New Mexico, Louisiana, West Virginia, Kentucky, right? So, Again, and again, not right or wrong, but it's just even I have this like vision of what welfare looks like and who's using it and the Democrats love it and whatever. So I just kind of thought that that was um, a little funny thing to look at. And immigrants, um, undocumented, you know, most welfare programs only benefit legals and even the legals, they have to have like a 10 year work history um, or be in the military before they can get part of that TANF one. And then each program has different restrictions. The biggest one that apparently um, covers undocumented is for like emergency room visits through Medicaid. So Medicaid gives out um, that year. So this is 2018. Two billion goes to hospitals every year to reimburse them for emergency room, co emergency room costs that like don't get covered. And that's largely associated with undocumented. So it, I'm not saying they don't. and But it's not like undocumented, again, are around here getting free places to live and getting a check. Um, again, I'm sure there's some. But like that's basically, you know, again, not the numbers. So the last part I'm going to just kind of say on this, just as far as stats go before I bore you guys to death. I don't know. I hope you found this interesting. For me, as I started to read these it, it just kind of like, I was like, oh, damn, like I didn't know that or this. You know, I kind of came into this slightly biased because I was on it and used it right, but also makes me very judgy of people who abuse it because I think they ruin it for everybody else. So my bias actually sometimes swings the other way because I'm like, yo, bro, you've been on this shit for fucking five years, figure it out. You know what I mean? Um, so it's not like I came in and was like, welfare is the greatest. Everybody should get it. Let's not ask any questions. No. Uh, but a couple of things is just, the, the length of time that people are on it. So the length of time that people are on at least one or more of these programs. So there's 43% that's on it for, I think it was four years plus. That's a lot, but that's not everybody. 
31% of people that use one or more of these programs are only on it for less than a year. And if you do that math between that, the guys that are on it for two to three and three to four. So for four years or less, you're getting almost 56% of the people. So more than half the people are not abusing this for a quote unquote lifetime. So again, I think we should add reforms. I think there should be, I think there should be time frames, right? Like we'll give you three years on it with certain programs, figure it out. If not, boom, you're on your own. Maybe for a year or so, then you can reapply. And you got to really, for, sometimes you got to really force people to get out there. You know, and I'll say this, you know, people, again, talk about taking advantage of the system. And when I say when rich people do it, it's different. Like just recently, when they had that $600 extra for unemployment, right? How many of y'all knew some people that could have went back to work and didn't, right? So are they a piece of shit? Because they were taking advantage of the system that was in place for the time being. You know, so like, again, it's just kind of opening up your mind to what it really is and not just being so close-minded and also looking at someone like me who like i wouldn't be where i am which some people you may consider not far but i'm doing all right for a kid out of the projects with a single mom who had me at 18 you know but i wouldn't have been here if my mom didn't have the help for the time that she did to get us out of the projects so you want to scrap everything to lose someone like me some of you again are probably saying yes um but you know and then i have another friend and Actually, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I'm going to use your name. Just your first, though. So if you know her, you know her. If you don't, you don't. But, you know, someone like Ashley who grew up with me in the projects. Um, so they were on the housing assistance, obviously. But her mom worked. Um, but then she had her daughter when she was in high school. And she didn't want welfare at all. But you know what she needed? She needed some assistance with daycare. So they helped pay for, for that. Um, you know, so if she didn't have that, could she have continued to go to school? Because she had then gone to nursing school. And now she's out here being a nurse manager, crushing it. Her daughter graduated a semester early from UMass Amherst with two bachelors, right? So, like, it, for every person you think that just lives off this system, for me coming from it, I can rattle off a bunch that have used it right. So, again, let's not just scrap the whole thing. That's all. That's all this is. Let's look at it in, in its totality and not just assume Everybody's sucking it dry. And the numbers don't even point to that. So I hope that kind of opens up your mind. I'm going to tell, tell one last story since I was just with my mom because it's funny to me. So growing up, you know, I thought, shit, I thought I was like middle class, give or take. I was in the projects, but I thought I was middle class because I had all the flying shit, right? <laughs> so I you know, came home from school one day, uh, probably in elementary school, telling my mom how we were middle class. And my mom was like, Pfft. Nah, bro. <laughs> we are poverty. And I'm like, there's no way we're poverty. Like, look at these Jordans. Look at this Nintendo. I had Nintendo Power Pad. Older people know that. Younger people don't. But shit was lit. I had everything that you could ever possibly want. And she's like, no, we're poverty. Mind you, little did I know that my mom had the same outfits for like six years. Didn't buy anything for herself or do anything because she spoiled my stupid ass. So, you know, you don't know that as little. But anyways, so, you know, then I got a little bit older and I'm like, damn. You start to learn stuff in school. You start to learn about some socioeconomic stuff. Um, and I was like, damn, I think we're like lower middle class. And again, my mom's like, bro, we are poor. Like we're like broke, dead ass poor. And I'm still like, yeah, no, I'm not buying that though. Like I know we don't live in the nicest house, but like I, I eat. I know where my stuff's coming from. You know what I mean? 
And then finally, I think in high school, we did a class on poverty and socioeconomics. And at that time, the poverty level for a family of two was like, I don't know, 13 grand. And I knew growing up that my mom working at Zares and Ames, shout out Ames, and everybody she employed there, all my friends had jobs at some point. Um, she was making like, yo, five, six dollars an hour. Now, if you extrapolate that out, usually you multiply your hourly um, by two and that will give you kind of a salary. Yo, that's 11, 12 grand. So I went home that day and I was like, yo, ma, you know how poor we, we were? And she was like, not worse, still are, but not as poor. And yes, that's what I've been telling you. So I always find that funny. And again, that's just another shout out to my mom, who um, I will eventually have on air too, which will be thoroughly entertaining. But yeah, so I'll kind of just leave it there. I mean, I know I threw a lot of numbers at you, but I hope it wasn't completely boring. Um, this stuff is interesting to me. I love numbers. And just, you know, to find out what I did actually digging into it, I thought it would be good to share. Um, I'm always going to try to bring things to you guys that I think will inform you and entertain you um, and not completely waste your time and maybe humanize some things. You know what I mean? Like sometimes people don't know somebody that is on a program or that have been through something that they think they hate. So maybe sometimes if you can stop for a minute and be like, oh, wait, that person's a good dude. And again, not all of you think that, but like maybe that makes you say, okay, well, let's not trash the whole system. And again, I'm all for reform, put some rules change some shit on it don't let people buy cigarettes and scratch tickets and all that nonsense like i support all that as well but that doesn't mean you should throw the whole baby out with the bathwater, which i believe is the same but anyways keep this under 40 minutes a little longer than normal i will try to get back in here before the end of this month because a few of you people have actually reached out to ask me when the next one was coming so i love that keep listening comment review good bad and different engage let's have a conversation i'll get on the same level and just try to figure out a way to respect each other and not hate someone that maybe thinks a little bit different than you. But thank you for all that. I appreciate it. And I will talk to you later. I'm out.